Welcome to the YPAR podcast, a project of the Youth Research Lab at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education. In the YPAR podcast, youth participatory action research practitioners discuss the ethical dimensions of conducting YPAR. In our podcast, we explore issues of co-leading YPAR projects, building relationships, power dynamics, and sharing our work together. The Youth Research Lab is located in Toronto on the traditional territories of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. program is not about the participants alone with the facilitators in the space. It's more of when people in their life realize the commitment and therefore they themselves can commit that is beautiful. Hello everyone. My name's Naima and I'm the host of the YPAR podcast. I'm a graduate assistant here at the Youth Research Lab and I'm also a YPAR practitioner with experience working in schools. Today's episode is the third in a three-part conversation between Ranguato Hassani, or Ra, and Ruben Gastambide Fernandez. Ra is a YPAR practitioner, co-founder of Keliketla Library, and a lecturer at the University of the Witwatersrand in Johannesburg, South Africa. Ruben is a YPAR practitioner, the director of the Youth Research Lab, and a professor at the University of Toronto. In this episode, they're going to be discussing how youth collectivities create beauty, and specifically within Ra's program, the Keliketla Library in Johannesburg. As I mentioned in the last episode, Keliketla was based at Johannesburg's historic drill hall between 2008 to 2015, and was actually the site where Nelson Mandela and 156 prominent freedom fighters were tried for treason in 1956. Keliketla is now based at King Kong, a multidisciplinary art space and concert venue, which is also in Johannesburg. Together, Ryan Ruben will explore what does it mean to make things beautiful within youth collectives, particularly within a context of material precarity? How do we create, shift, and accumulate narratives in youth collectives? How are our ethical commitments to anti-racism challenged while facilitating youth collectives? This conversation was recorded outdoors in Johannesburg. And with that, let's jump in. I wanna, okay. I wanna, let's, let's talk about beauty for a second. Beauty. About beauty. Because you, you talked about the importance of creating beautiful things. Mm. And, you know, a couple of times when we were talking about during the during the time together last yeah. week, we talked about the importance of design. Most we were talking about design, fonts, uh, coherence, bringing coherence to artifacts. Uh, you know, this, all these all these elements that that go into the production of objects yeah. that we yeah. want to yeah. share. Yeah. And there's a tension, isn't there, between? Well, you know, first of all, I think there's a different understanding of beauty that could be operating here, but uh, 
uh, on the one hand, there is this sort of spontaneity that characterizes uh, the work that you're describing, this, mm. this being able to take advantage of these precious moments of being, mm. being in the right place at the right time. You know, the person who asks, the, who hears the children singing and wants to do something, or the relationships that emerge and being able to take care of that, and things that are really out of your control in terms of, in terms of uh, being able to do good design, which is not supposed to be out of your control. Right? Yeah. Design is all about planning, it's all about deciding what elements yeah. you want to bring together, yeah, right? right? And, 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 and what you're describing, and, and in my experience of doing this work, it's, it's not designed, you know? It's, it's very yeah, much about, right. yeah. about, about taking advantage of opportunities. So I wonder about how do we come, how do we understand beauty in that context? So how do we understand beauty uh, or, or making things beautiful, both its importance, its relevance for the people that we care about, that we're committed to, and, and how, it, how it works in relationship to spontaneity, to relationships, to making do with what's available, particularly in a context of material precarity. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You know, you see, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, for me, I think what has been evident is that uh, beauty emerges out of commitment. Mm. Um, really, you know. Um, and therefore, beauty emerges out of that which has been accumulating over time. Not accumulation in the in the capitalist sense, but uh, uh, in the sense of uh, of building an environment for narrative for stories. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what has been beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. That's that's really what has been beautiful. So for the parents to come, and there are like plenty of pictures where you see like, towards towards that day of showcase, and you see pictures of rehearsals, and you see like parents carrying children and waiting, that's beauty, mm -hmm. is that uh, a group of people have been able to persuade each other about the importance of something. Uh, so people have been able to bring each other to an understanding mm -hmm. of what this thing is. So in that sense, it's not that the production, the show, the showcase, is necessarily beautiful. Mm -hmm. Education yeah. program is not about the participants alone with the facilitators in the space. It's more of when people in their life realize the commitment and therefore they themselves can commit that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then when then we make things like this mm -hmm. that are beautiful design, you know, it's not that we always play in there, it's because actually things have been accumulated to then be able to arrive at this. Mm -hmm. So then if you think about this past week and those postcards, mm -hmm. it's not because they arrived out of nothing. Right. They arrived out of the fact that actually so much beauty has been generated. Now we really want to make the artifact that reflects the beauty of what has happened. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the opposite of beauty that has led to this material that can now be designed mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the grander, the, the broader design, the previous design of being together, of generating this material, mm -hmm. is not so visible. And yet it is, in a sense, that now actually the artifacts themselves show the depth mm -hmm. and the level 
of, of, of engagement, right? Mm -hmm. Even if we ourselves, we know that this thing is far from polished, this thing actually has typos, mm -hmm. this thing actually uh, has not really been achieved as much as it is. Uh, so the beauty is in that. Uh, mm. And then, then to make the artifacts look beautiful then becomes important in a place where, where people have been dehumanized. So if right, you look at the sure. drill hall as a right. space that is neglected, all of that, then making the artifacts actually beautiful is important mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, so so that's, that's really how I think about beauty, that the beauty is in the commitment, mm -hmm. which means resilience. Right. Which I'm resistant of because somehow black people, former colonizers or whatever, there's always this thing about innovation as an outcome of resilience or mm -hmm. something. You know, there's always this thing whereby mm -hmm. we're being romanticized, uh, essentialized, right. that our beauty has to emerge out of the fact that we have to be resilient right. and, and, and face adversity to arrive at beauty. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's that balance. It's not an easy one, but, yeah. but for us to make sure that we make things really beautiful is actually to reinstate that actually we have it. You know, it's like when we're talking about uh, resisting at an attempt to think, but rather embrace that we are thinkers. Yeah. I used to do yeah, in my yeah, classroom yeah. today. We were talking you about know? Yeah. I want to I wanna go back to this idea of creating conditions for narratives to accumulate. Right. That you refer to as, sure. a, as a source of freedom, of beauty, and also, I want to revisit this. So I want to revisit that, and I want to revisit this this tension around around beauty emerging out of struggle, and at the same time not collapsing our entire condition yes. of being to struggle. Right? Like, yeah. how do we, those of us who have experienced colonization in our skin, you know, black, yeah. brown, indigenous people. Yeah. You know, that, this, this, the, that narrative of, of beauty out of suffering is so compelling, and yet it's not all there is. That, yeah. not, not everything that we create yeah. is out of it suffering. Out of you know, our, 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 yeah. our experience is not all suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And... And, and there's an ethic there, right? That, that I think uh, oftentimes translates into making choices about who we allow in and who, and who we keep out yes. of the spaces yes. because of that understanding, yes. right? If you are coming in with the idea that everything there is to work with here is suffering, yeah. then you're out. Anyway, we can go back to the to, to, to this, you know, creating the conditions for narratives to accumulate, cause, which is beautiful and which is, I think, um, <laughs> let's talk. About, let's talk about this idea. How, how do we create the conditions for narratives to accumulate? Or I, maybe that was not the words that you used, but it, it was it something. It was are. something along. That's how I remember it. I should have written it down. No, they are. So, 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 there was a program that was formed by. So, so, so these young people. Some of them started in two thousand eight when mm -hmm. we started. And others joined along the way. So one of them, um, and, and I keep referring to her, uh, and now I'm going to name her because she's in the book, so oh, no one can cite her mm -hmm. and everything. And there was a, a whole process there, the protocol. And Mara Mashala, she, she started a program uh, in 2012, and this after because she's been there since 2008. And, and she said, I want to, she came to me and said, um, uh, yeah, you know, all this. Uh, 
yeah respectability thing so she she calls me uncle Raj. like uncle Raj, i want to start a program with all the people because there were many different programs dance music whatever and by that time she was like really selling that like i want to start a program where all the participants from the different groups come together on wednesday afternoons to just speak about our lives that we are now in different programs and we come together uh, when it's time to showcase but i want a space where we can now all talk just talk just just talk and we call it team talk mm. that um, mm. just to check on with each other and stuff like that and for me that was like really one of the highlights mm. uh, to feel like actually here is a space yes we are making art and yes we are learning some printmaking some design some decent dance etc uh, but actually because we are now quite a coherent group of different collectives uh, perhaps now there is a need for us to really just come talk about what's going on in our lives as teenagers, uh, mm-hmm. being misunderstood, you know, teenagers. Uh, but, but she felt that was important, and she felt that like this, this is the space where this can happen. Um, and, and I mean, that developed into, into all kinds of things, including another program that was actually called Team Talk, where they all came together, and there's a, there's a YouTube of it which I'll also send to you if you haven't seen it, which, which, which was really significant, where, where we invited this, this now new collective that emerges because of years of coalescing and knowing each other across programs, uh, in which the subject was, uh, was that of migration. And they, they basically were leading that, and Kelegitla then got to a place where all we do is just provide facilitation, mm-hmm. but they design the whole program. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and design being important here because then this means that instead of a facilitator who may or, or uh, you know who who may provide a structure of some kind, they they were they were able to be in a space where they draw from each other's knowledges and and bring and bring that together. So, so that's where basically prior knowledges, bodily as well as conceptually, are able to come together to, yeah, to create a, a narrative. Or something, right? um, so, so that is significant because particularly in this neighborhood, but also yeah, in terms of the schooling system, where where the ability to to narrate multiple histories is not always possible. Right. Um, uh, but also because at that time we're speaking of teens who, because of age, also feel misunderstood. This place also feels like a place where they can create the narrative mm-hmm. of their own. Uh, in this case, then, and particularly because this participant comes and proposes that this is not a space to do the different workshops in art, rather is a place to speak, is that the conditions have been created. Mm-hmm. A collective, a sense of being together mm-hmm. has been created mm-hmm. so that people of the same age, in that sense, can come and share about their difference. 
you know, spiritual being, mental being, and other beings, uh, the space has been created for them to realize that actually now we can come together mm -hmm. to discuss that. Right. So that's the rationale that right. in order to create a diversity and conflict and dialogue and debate and, uh, and, and sort of relevance beyond a parochial view, you have to be in a collective. Um, and also that the collective becomes a support structure. Right. So let's say maybe when I speak about, and this has happened where people like, when I speak about things that have to do with religion in the family and how that affects them, maybe in relation to gender, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the collective then becomes a support structure where they can feel freer mm -hmm. to express that which they may not do at home. So then the collective becomes a support structure in that mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that then enables a new narrative to emerge. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, this, this creation of conditions for narrative to, to emerge uh, and be central uh, and sort of lead lead and go beyond the artifact has always been central yeah. and at the same time in a sense relates to yeah the hip-hop cypher yeah. yeah yes and you and you talked about the structure of the hip-hop cypher as that sort of being the in a sense the source of that notion of collective but i want to push back a bit on here because we also we also don't enter the collective innocently and and i think yes. the collective you know I mean, in a sense, the, the ARAC is an interesting example. You know, we, we come together for a week, we're able to create a space that's very productive, that's very fulfilling, that creates a certain affect. It's also a space that, it, that, that, it, that doesn't have to sustain itself over a long period of time. And, right. it, and, yeah. and in a sense, yeah. we almost cut it, you know, we, we, we are able to not enter into a space where conflict emerges. You know, I mean, it does, it does in the long distance and slowly. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's a certain quality to a collective that has a beginning and an end and a contained oh, space right. yeah. that allows for certain things to happen that, and in a sense to avoid... Uh, right. The ways in which collectives yes. also invariably and perhaps naturally implode, implode, or where sort of these you know relations of power, sexism, you know homophobia, uh, racism, colorism, you know. Um, uh, so mm. I, you know, so I wonder about that too. I wonder about the is, is there a danger in sort of romanticizing that those collectives? Is there? How do we navigate? Again, this is a facilitation question. Mm. How do we how do we facilitate? Because mm. these are highly facilitated collectives in a sense. Mm. Right? I mean, and and this mm. that space that space for the narrative to accumulate does not happen autonomously without right. the facilitation of someone like you. Yeah. So how do we? So again, so yeah. So let's get to the facilitation question. Mm. How do we? How is it that? What are the skills? What are the techniques? What are the? What are the sort of really practical? embodied uh, verbal yes. ways that we yes. facilitate a collective process that doesn't decline back into the kinds of dynamics that happen outside of that collective, right? That sustains a commitment <laughs> to, to anti-racism, to... Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, you know, you see, you see what I'm saying, yeah. right? Like, because otherwise, if, if we just say, oh, it's the collective and it's beautiful and these things happen, um, um, Mm. I fear that it, that actually, my, my worry is that it invisibilizes the really difficult work of actually facilitating that. Yes. Just, you know, you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. 
And, and, and to be honest, I'm struggling with this. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a thing of, uh, of community of practice that, mm-hmm. that, is, that is quite undocumented mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps under-theorized uh, from, from here, from this region, uh, but also, I think, from the continent of Africa as well. Um, and this is about who knows what in relation to who's, or maybe even in contrast to who's participating. Mm. Um, and how these two can come together. Because just because somebody is doing the organizing or the facilitation uh, doesn't mean that they are doing the participation. So, you know, some people are there to to immerse themselves and enjoy Mm -hmm. the work that is being organized by others. Mm -hmm. But actually they know what is required Mm -hmm. completely Mm -hmm. for the thing to be there. And for me that's where you know the work of of facilitation becomes challenging. But also then can also lead to the change of narrative. Right. Uh, because the community of practice may still seek what they know, right? What they know should be happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here I'm drawn to uh, uh, an experience when me and other colleagues were working on a festival about indigenous music in Limpopo, where I come from. Mm-hmm. Um, it was organized by us, and we are recent. We are students, and actually we are also postgraduate students. We are concerned about the future of music, called uh, Naka, and we make a festival as a way of reviving. Like, uh, we are also thinking a lot with uh, uh, Linda Smith mm-hmm. uh, in the process um, of... Uh, so, so we make a festival, and it's beautiful. Right, like uh, it's absolutely great, and then during the festival, everybody's happy, and one elder comes and asks, uh, well, congratulates us and asks when it's gonna be the next one mm-hmm. because, yeah, we, we don't have enough of this. Um, and we say it was around uh, November, and we say next year, November, next year, at the same time. And they're like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. This is an elder, quite an elder. He says, no, that's not how you do it. You must do this twice a year. Uh, One around May to thank the ancestors for the rain. And then another one in September to ask the ancestors for the rain. and that was like really mind-blowing for me because I was like, first and foremost, this challenges festival, um, uh, you know, frequency, like, you know, the way festivals, uh, you know, in general, they're annual or, or if they are biennials or triennials or, or, you know, so to do a festival twice a year, 
is presenting a different kind of geopolitical knowledge system mm -hmm. about what the festival does. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is also one of the places where thinking with your text becomes interesting mm -hmm. in that um, this is a, a festival where it's a musicing festival. So this is a musical practice, it's mm -hmm. a music and dance practice. But, uh, but you know, it has a function of, of asking for the rain and thanking the ancestors mm -hmm. for the harvest, mm -hmm. right? So, so, so there's, there's, a, there's a cosmology there, which mm -hmm. is about a symbolic practice that does something. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a symbolism there, right? Like which, 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 you know, which we look at and we'll be like, okay, so here we are looking at symbolic practices that have protocols. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you must do it at this time and another time you must mm -hmm. do it this time. And, and this, this go beyond funders calls Sure. funders reports <laughs> um what are you gonna write for the funder you know you, you you know you write to the funder that it drained so the festival was a success the funder wants to see <laughs> how many people came right? right um right which are really like really about this shifting of of geographies of of, of knowledge and mm -hmm. geographies of evaluation of of analysis of of of, of yeah so, of, but, but at the same time, this is operating when things are shifting. So young people want to start this thing, and they want to call it the festival. But actually, there's a name for such gathering mm -hmm. of music, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that tradition is called kosha. It's not a festival. But we want to call it a festival because we want to bring, because we see it's dying and we want to revitalize mm -hmm. in terms of what Linda, to as myth calls in terms of those projects of, of decolonizing right so in terms of revitalization okay so we thought okay to call it a festival then to name it this way then it's going to to bring this this young audience who now bring other things that then change the narrative which mm -hmm. then disturbs and disrupts the other participants right. in the community of practice right. who want to see something else yeah so uh, and this is where the tension of indigenity and and and, and other uh, you know, call it, call them contemporary uh, practices, uh, come and complicate the question. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I mean, I think. I think they're in a sense. In a sense, they're both indigenous practices. We could. We might want to call one traditional and one contemporary. Right. One. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it, and it's certainly attention, right? I mean, I think. Yeah. As a. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, this is a, the complicated question of the role of the elders in, yeah. in culture and, and of, I don't know, uh, uh, recovering practices versus creating ones yes. and, and how that sort of, even that recovery process is itself create, creation, right? Because we don't do it the same. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the YPAR podcast. So I'm still struck by the way that Ra talked about beauty as being created relationally from engagements and from bringing people together. I'm also still thinking about the conversation had around how things like beautiful designs or demonstrations are created by an accumulation of moments and interactions. 
This makes me think about how we are actively working, reworking, and shifting relationships within youth spaces. And that's really what this work is about. Anyways, stay tuned for our next episode, and see you next time!